Hey, this is Mike Mann, the director of The Beer Diaries. On this podcast, Greg is interviewing Jeff Stuffings, co-owner and brewmaster of Jester King. It was recorded on June 14th, 2012. So grab a taste of brew, get comfy, and maybe you'll learn something new. Greg Zester for The Beer Diaries. I'm here at one of my favorite breweries here in Austin, Texas, Jester King Craft Brewery, here with Jeff Stuffings, the owner, brewmaster, co-owner, brewmaster of the place. It's, it's a place I've been before. I've spent some time at this very bar, and I'm very familiar with many of the beers. But it's going to be an amazing visit today, talking to Jeff and learning a bit more about the place. So cool. thanks. Yeah. Cheers, Cheers sir. Thanks for being out here. So to be fair, I've been chasing you for a while. You know, I've been, I've been trying to connect up, and, you know, because I've been wanting to talk to you. It's been, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's the challenge of running a really successful operation. You guys have grown how much? Like, what's, what's happened with you guys in the last year? And January is your birthday, almost a year and a half. Yeah, that's right. We opened in, in October of last year. Uh, actually, I should say 2010. And, um, you know, right now, I think we're just trying to just focus in on, on achieving our uh, artistic vision of what we want to do. Um, you know, we've done several beers uh, over the last uh, year and a half, as well as kind of getting our, our barrel program up and running. Because a lot of what we're interested in is trying to incorporate our, our natural surroundings as much as we can with, with, with wild yeast in, uh, in our barrel program. And it's just been a very long time to make a lot of those beers. So we're just now feeling we're starting to kind of do what we're, we're artistically most interested in. One, one of the things I found really cool about what you guys did is you were very ambitious in the styles and types of beers. Like, I mean, you, were, you didn't really stick to real set styles. I mean, you have a bunch of farmhouse ales, like Hoppy Farmhouse, and all kinds of really interesting stuff. What was it that made you think, hey, we're gonna go a little different direction than the pack? What was, what was that about? Well, sure, I mean, when we were uh, coming up with the plan to start a brewery, you know, we looked around uh, our state and saw some really excellent uh, styles of beer being made in the German tradition, English tradition, and American tradition. And, uh, you know, really didn't see much being brewed in kind of the Franco-Belgian uh, farmhouse tradition. And with that said, like at that time, just in our, our drinking lives, we uh, were getting access uh, through friends and, and, and you know, actually one of my co-workers here, Jester King, to some really excellent uh, small artisan beer from, uh, from parts of Europe, uh, whether it be Cantillon or Dreyfontainen, um, Phantom, just these, and really fell in love with these styles of beer and uh, wanted to just brew our interpretation of it here in, in, in the hill country. And so one of the things that you know you guys have, and we're going to showcase this. This is an amazing facility. Like I mean, when I first came here, probably a year ago, I was blown away. I mean, we're in the Texas Hill Country. I was not originally from Texas. I'm a Canadian, so I was expecting like tumbleweeds and dry grass. I wasn't expecting beautiful rolling hills, trees, like this idyllic place, right? And so well, the thing that's amazing is that it feels like you really fit in here physically. The the, the this, like, almost campus. I mean, there's like picnic tables, there's places to hang out, there's, I mean, the building itself is great. This was, I think, originally a machine shop of some sort. That's right. It was uh, an old machine shop down in, in the valley near Victoria. And this, and now we've got, and then you added this tasting room, the tap room here that we're standing in, uh, and it's, it's, this is a great place to hang out. You come here on the weekend, you got food trucks, you got music. Yeah. Like, I think, is it every weekend you offer tasting almost? Or yeah, every, every Saturday. And, and as far as, like, what we want this land to ultimately be, I mean, one of the cool things about it is, um, uh, the, the person who, who owns this whole, whole 200 acre ranch kind of shares our vision of having it be a place where there's kind of a series of small artisan businesses. We're, we're really the first one, but we're, 
looking, we're inviting a, a, a mushroom grower, a soy milk maker. I heard there's some kind yeah. of pizza thing happening here. Yeah, there's going to be a little uh, stone, uh, or I should say, uh, you know, wood-fired pizza, yeah. stone oven. I hear pizza oven. goes well with beer. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that true? It kind of little, little yeah. like, fit yeah. well together. It, it, yeah. One of the things, actually, I mean, that festival atmosphere is really apparent during your anniversary. I was lucky enough, lucky enough to be here back earlier this year. I was here for the anniversary, and holy cow, I mean, there, you have a lot of fans. Like, I mean, I remember sitting, you know, we're going to have a little, you know, we said, hey, let's go and let's check it out. First of all, it's really tough to get tickets. They sold out how fast? Like days? Yeah, it was just a few days. Um, yeah, it's like it, 700 or something, 800? Like, yeah, we, we sold, uh, yeah, we ended up selling 700 tickets and it, it's still a little surreal to us, <laughs> like that people, you know. And we, then there were people wanting, like trying to get these tickets too. This was like, this was not like you, you, you tap the market. This was like Craigslist where people were like, please get us more tickets. Yeah, um, it's still a little surreal to us that, you know, people are, are you know, when you do something, uh, you know, creatively, artistically, it's it's a little scary, like to kind of put yourself out there. Like, this is our creation. This is what we do. You know, will you accept it or reject it, or, or somewhere in between? And yeah. so it's it's still kind of you know uh, surreal to us to see people who you know would actually you know line up to, to, to do experience what we do. But, but with that said, as far as just keeping it you know kind of small, uh, you know, not selling you know uh, several thousand tickets, is we always want this place to be kind of uh, very you know, kind of chill, kind of, uh, you know, just a place you can kind of hang out in the hill country and not just be, you know, have some mob scene yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of deal. Even then, I remember that day, like, I mean, there's these, you have these awesome limestone steps that kind of come up to the front. And I remember standing on those. And, and one of the neat things with the tap room as well, not only do you showcase your beers, you have some really interesting Belgians on here, as you mentioned earlier, like, I mean, there's a Cantillon on right. that day. And when that happened, there was this gigantic lineup. And, you know, it wasn't quite a riot, but I mean, it must be, you know, it's like, and like you said, I mean, you want to showcase not just your stuff, but kind of like some of the inspirational beers of, of what? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, we feel we owe a debt of gratitude to a lot of these really excellent farmhouse artisan brewers that, that came you know, long before us. And also we want to kind of, um, to, to us we see it um, as, as more of a category of beers that, that really isn't uh, anything that involves uh, borders. Uh, I mean, we're supportive of, of certainly the Texas scene and are involved in the Guild and you know feel some state camaraderie, but um, that's not entirely how we feel. We also feel uh, camaraderie with, with small artisan brewers around the world and uh, want to support them as well. And, you know, uh, our tap room gives us a venue to put on uh, every week out here. It's something pretty super rare, small batch that people can kind of see. This is another take on, on, on the farmhouse tradition and, you know, kind of uh, see some of the inspiration behind what we do. Right. In terms of the actual brew house itself, like, I mean, how did that come about getting built? Like, you had, you got this, did you bring this building from somewhere else and put it here? We did. Um, this wow. place was just dirt when we started. And you put the building, you put this machine shop in. Yeah. And then you, you got an awesome brew house. What, what's, what's going on in there? Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of Canada, we got it from, uh, from uh, Vancouver, yeah. a company called Newlands uh, Systems up in, in Vancouver area. It's a 30 barrel brew house. It brews about a, th a little under a thousand gallons of beer. Uh, per batch, and um, yeah, then we have uh, some stainless, and then pretty at this point a pretty extensive uh, uh, oak fermentation program where we make our, our wild uh, beers that are fermented with wild yeast and souring bacteria, and we have about uh, about 200 barrels right now, but we're start uh, expanding, uh, building. We're actually going to build a barrel, a proper barrel house where we can put several thousand barrels and really focus on uh, you know oak aged wild sour beer, which is probably the style that we, we enjoy the most. Right, right. Um, and 
so yeah, that's kind of where we want to uh, go in the future. It's obviously inefficient, it takes up a lot of space, but... It's, it's, well, it's that artisanal element that, that's really important. One, one thing you, you touched on before, I think, I actually on tour with you one time, I think we touched earlier, was some of the yeast you use. I mean, you don't just use like the usual, you can commercially purchase yeast from suppliers, but you guys harvest some of your own. So you are getting a real authentic local beer when you get one of your beers, because you, you're collecting yeast from the field here. Yeah, certainly with our, um, our barrel-edged wild beer, we really try to embrace the concept of, of terroir, meaning a sense of place where literally in your glass you're tasting uh, flavors from, from the land. Um, so we, um, you know, we really, I feel we only truly achieve that with right now a small amount of beer that we make that actually is uh, fermented uh, in oak with uh, wild yeast that we just culture, uh, capture and, and culture uh, straight from, from the air here. You know, if I could describe the, the concept of, of farmhouse brewing in, in one phrase, it would be embracing nature. And we can't do that the way farmhouse breweries did centuries ago when literally they were getting every ingredient from just the, the farm. Didn't they have open vats as well? I remember mm -hmm. reading about the fact that literally they have this vat in their corner of their, their, their house or the outside and just they'd be, it'd be just, they'd turn and like, be making it there, be fermenting it like live there. Like. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, our, our malt comes from uh, well, continental Europe and, and the Midwest and our hops come from Pacific Northwest and the UK as well as continental Europe. But um, in terms of our, our, our barrel-aged wild beers, uh, we do use water uh, from, we're on a well, we're not on city water. Yeah. So all our, our beers have, I think, a, a distinct uh, flavor from from the water that we use just from the well here uh, at the brewery and then um, and then really where that that concept of terroir I think really gets expressed is with uh, the wild yeast that we what we did when we started was just put some um, unfermented beer in an open air fermentation vessel on the roof of the brewery let it sit out overnight and just let uh, wild yeast uh, inoculate the wort and then uh, we got a little more uh, scientific from there. We're in a laboratory. We isolated the yeast, uh, specifically isolated uh, wild yeast that is uh, uh, acid producing, which would create some of those uh, souring yeah, yeah, characteristics, yeah. Uh, as well as souring bacteria as well, right. like, like lactobacillus. Some of the anaerobic stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, we use a lot of lactobacillus, the same, uh, you know, same bacteria you'd find in like sourdough bread. And I think yogurt too, right? Yogurt, so, absolutely, yeah. yeah there's, uh, that's a science background I've forgotten about that kind of eventually, eventually sometimes bubbles to the surface and disappears. Right, yeah. Lactobacillus. Right. Remember that. Where did the name Jester King come from? Like, what's, what's sure. the deal with that? Um, to us, it's, uh, it's a metaphor where the, the jesters of the beer world are the small artisan brewers doing you know, creative, interesting beers, and the king represented uh, Anheuser-Busch, and we want the jesters to be the king of the beer world, <laughs> not them. So it's our little dig at the most giant monolithic industrial brewer on the planet, so, uh, you know. Um, Are we gonna, we're not gonna be on the air because of that, you know? Oh wait, we're not on the air, we're know, on the right. interwebs, they can't yeah, stop us. Yeah, we're not on Discovery Channel where they can yeah, shut, none, none shut down brewmasters. Oh boy. <laughs> so, your background, what was your, what was your uh, you know, were you a home brewer? I mean, have you, have you brewed somewhere else professionally? What's your, what's your background? No, I've never brewed anywhere else professionally. Uh, home brewing was something I fell in love in when I was in, in school, just, friend got me into it, let me borrow his, his gear, and uh, from there it became, you know, kind of an obsessive hobby where uh, eventually it was all I really wanted to do and uh, decided to try to make the leap into to professional brewing and, and start my own shop. Um, you know that's totally crazy, right? A crazy thing to do? Like, yeah. you're aware that's like, 
hey, I'm going to do this like thing that includes some of the Giants competitors on the face of the earth. I'm just going to give it a shot. And you did it. Like, I mean, like what? I've had a lot of help. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And then even, even though I've never worked professionally at another brewery, um, a lot of the local brewers here were very helpful in terms of information of how to build out a brewery. Uh, I mean, I could, it would, uh, I mean, there's a long list, but I mean, the folks at Real Ale, uh, Uncle Billy's 512 were particularly helpful to us. Uh, All these to folks us. are real, real mm -hmm. supportive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's one thing I find that there's a really great community of brewers. And it's one of the things we talked a little bit about was the local Austin scene the fact that there's something about the local scene and actually about the fact that there's a real locavore movement. Um, people want local products. They don't want to have mass produced stuff from yeah. elsewhere. They want unique things. They want things that reflect the local environment. Big part of it. Like, I mean, you guys play into that. Like, what, what, what have you seen? How, how has that managed? for you guys to be successful. Was that a big leg up? Well, I mean, I think you touched on, I'm not sure if this is answering the question precisely, but I think you touched on something that I've heard expressed that I think is really, really true. And that is in the beer world, we're getting almost a return to the past, a return yeah, yeah. to the way it should be. No, true. Uh, where- It's very local, very, very, yeah. very, very, very regional, super regional. Exactly, like, like beer traditionally does not come from three giant brewers fanned out across the country. Yeah. It should be a local Lo neighborhood thing with your butcher, baker, and brewer. Yeah. And I think we're getting, getting back to that where brewing isn't just a, a citywide thing, but even a, a neighborhood thing. You're seeing that with kind of the rise of more nano breweries that really just sell beer to the block. Yeah, um, it's, it's incredible actually. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And people want quality and diversity. So, I mean, of course the quality has to be there, but I mean, one of the things that I enjoy tremendously is when I go to a different city, uh, you know, checking out the local beer scene because yeah. it's not like I'm drinking the light lager that I had in Austin that I'm having in now in, uh, you know, Kalamazoo, Michigan, you know, it, it, there's totally different flavors and yeah. it, it's fun to check that out. And there's a re and it's also geographic, there's seasonal things, so there's all yeah, these different, different elements. Exactly. One, one thing I think that's amazing, speaking kind of playing off the community concept, I mean, what actually we're drinking right now is a beer called Drink in the Sunbelt, which is, of course, a collaboration with McKellar. Um, for the viewers that may or may not know, McKellar's a very famous brewer and he's, you know, what you call a gypsy brewer. He'll go yeah. around the world to different breweries. You've actually collaborated with him twice. Yes. Yeah. Twice at least, or more than twice. Twice. So Drink in the Sunbelt was one, uh, and then also the Beer Geek Rodeo. Is that correct? And there's also the Weasel one, but that's a secret beer, I think. Oh. <laughs> Semi-secret. Well, it's on the wall there. I keep eyeing it up. It's out now. So is it? Or, or, no, I should say, I mean, it's, uh, it hasn't it's, been released, but like the concept has been released. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, yeah. That's awesome. But I mean, but working with McKellar, like, what was that like? I mean, this is, this is a guy that has a huge reputation. How do you, how do you find him? How do you find you? What was the, how that start and how did that, how was that experience? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's kind of silly, really. I mean, we were just uh, at the uh, Craft Brewers Conference in Chicago. And uh, a good friend of ours runs uh, Westlake Pew Liquors in, in Chicago, which is this really great uh, bottle shop there. And she let us stay in like a little flat above her uh, her <laughs> store. And she's also friends with uh, with Tomas and Mikkel from yeah. from Mikkeler. And uh, so, so that's a proper pronunciation. I've been doing it totally wrong. Oh, you hear, see I that, folks? Too, he corrected Mikkeler. He's corrected me now. I've, I've got a bit of more beer no, knowledge. I, before I met him, I totally was pronouncing it wrong. I'm, I'm using yeah. Canadian pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Mikkeler. All right. Yeah. So Mikkeler. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, so we basically like stayed in uh, flat with those guys for like a week and got to that's not, That sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah, no, those guys are I, crazy. I, I imagine they try a few beers. Yeah, they're, I mean, uh, those guys are out of control. <laughs> they're, uh, I don't know how they keep going, frankly. Uh, yeah. But, um, you, probably, but yeah. you probably learn a lot of stuff from those guys, like brewing. I mean, it must be quite an experience. Yeah, they're, they're super, super nice guys and really know beer tremendously well and do some really amazing stuff. Some of their stuff that I, I just, I'm still in awe of how they do it, just yeah. how they create how they create some of the flavors that they they obtain. 
Um, but so we got basically befriended them uh, by sharing a place yeah. with them over the course of a week and we talked about um, Someday Brewing together. And I think some of the concepts that we embrace, you know, fit in well with them. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so they were they were uh, excited to brew with us. So we had them out here to Jester King in November and um, brewed, uh, yeah, the, the the Beer Geek Rodeo, um, which is um, it was kind of odd because um, a lot of our beers kind of embrace kind of like classic European concepts like farmhouse brewing yeah, with yeah. simplicity of you know malt hops and yeast and really nothing beyond that. Um, whereas they are almost take a more of a, an American mentality where it's a little more extreme where they're b borrowing from like the culinary world and throwing, you know, 12 different ingredients into the kettle. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird concept where the European was more extreme and the American was more traditional, which is totally the opposite <laughs> of... Uh, so he has the juxtaposition. Yeah, there. exactly. But um, so Beer Geek Rodeo, I mean, it was an imperial oatmeal stout with uh, Chipotle pepper, smoked malt, and then uh, Kopi Luwak uh, coffee, which is like the little weasel poop coffee where the rodents eat the beans yeah. and then excrete them, and then right. that actually goes into the to the beer. Uh, so, um, uh, and then uh, of course you know very uh, high alcohol beer where yeah. what we generally tend to do tends to be a little. Uh, lower in alcohol just because we really support the concept of, of session beer where you can yeah, yeah. drink uh, for flavor, not necessarily for inebriation. Not that that's... <laughs> and we drew some you know, very high alcohol Yeah, there's, too, there's some big numbers on that board yeah. back there. There's a couple of big numbers. Yeah, we want to make sure we represent kind of the session beer category uh, well uh, as well. Absolutely. So um, the beer we're drinking right now, let's, let's talk a little bit about the beers. I and mean, that's one of yeah. the things. Well, first off, just generally, how far abroad um, are your beers available? Are they available throughout Texas? Are they, whereabouts are they available? Uh, yeah, we sell 98% of what we do in, in Texas, um, mostly in the major metropolitan areas, uh, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, uh, a little bit down in the valley and a little bit as far west. Uh, actually, I'm not sure. So through, but kind of throughout Texas. So throughout Texas. See, throughout Texas. Cool. Right. And then as far as, far as I mean, just real quick, like, I mean, you guys offer a lot of beers. I mean, so there's a whole big bunch of them on the wall behind you. Uh, you know, I usually go through all of them with some folks, but you got quite a few. I mean, we could maybe just talk about the ones on the taps right now. If sure. Prefer. Like, like obviously, let's see what we got there. Oh, Boxer's Revenge. I, I'm very familiar yes. with that one. Yes, uh, Boxer's Revenge, uh, barrel, barrel aged wild ale. It's yeah. one of the, the beers that we uh, age in uh, oak wine and whiskey barrels with the, the wild yeast we culture from the hill country and then the souring bacteria. So it's got a lot of those kind of tart yeah, it's a bit, it's, 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 yeah, it's like, it, you know, it really epitomizes that wild ale concept. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like it's not a sour per se, but it's, it's, it's real funky. I, I, I yeah. like that one a lot. I, I kind of like to use the analogy of like a funky kind of uh, blue cheese, uh, yeah. you know, or you get like kind of that, that cheesy funk to it, which sounds totally weird for beer, but, oh, but it, it works. Yeah, I like it. Le Petit Prince is a, is a true session beer. Yes. Like that's, tell us about that one. That was actually, that one came out, I think, just six months or so. Yeah, exactly. Um, Basically, we want to do our, our take on a very imp important historical style, important in the sense that... Is Berliner Weiss, is that right? Do I have any Berliner Weiss on? But, oh, uh, oh, you had a Berliner Weiss, that's right. Right. Okay, so, what, so what's, what's the style? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a farmhouse, but a lighter farmhouse style, or what's the... Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking about Petit Prince? Yeah, Petit Prince, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, table beer, meaning okay. that basically an everyday drinking beer that you can literally have with all meals of the day. And it was important in the sense that when people couldn't trust water as being yeah. safe to drink, they would drink very low alcohol beer because it had been boiled, there was no harmful bacteria in it. Uh, they didn't know, people centuries ago didn't know why it was yeah. safe, but it turns out because it had been boiled. Uh, so we wanted to do our own take on it and 
brewed a uh, very low alcohol table beer, about 2.9%. Um, Drinking the Sunbelt, the Mickler. Yeah. Uh, this was last year's, but is this fresh? Yeah. You rebrewed it, or what? Yeah, we rebrewed it. This beer is only about uh, this brewed is, in May. This is delicious beer. Like I mean, I mean, I like I said, I've been saving a bottle of last year's in my fridge. I know it's kind of too old, but sometimes I'll, I'll report back what yeah, it tastes like. It, well, yeah. now that I've had it, I can open it really soon. So yeah, yeah really hoppy, but and as you said, like low specific gravity, but still really thirst quenching. Like a great hot weather beer. It's yeah. Like a, it's a, it's unfiltered wheat as well. Yeah, unfiltered wheat beer. All our beers are unfiltered, but this one's a little, even more a little cloudy yeah. due to the, the dextrins and the wheat. Um, so yeah, then we hopped it heavily, very American inspired, where a lot of the hops are Pacific Northwest hops, which have this kind of like grapefruit mango. Yeah, it's like a, I mean, like I was saying, I found it was a real lemon, like a lemon, yeah. lemon zest, totally. orange zest kind of feel to it. Yeah, but pretty low alcohol, 3.9%. 3. Um, well, wow, that's why I feel so, so lucid <laughs> right? compared to my usual situation in these interviews yeah. after a long day of drinking beer. So, uh, the Witchmaker IPA, one of your earlier ones, I think was Commercial Suicide your very first? That was the very first. Which is, that, which is a, a wonderfully ironic name. I know, it was, it was a 3% alcohol dark ale, uh, the very first beer we ever did. So Wasn't we, it like ESB and something else or something? Was it, it was, what we were was aiming it? for uh, English Mild was kind okay. of our, our inspiration for that. So we called it Commercial Suicide just because we figured it was the exact opposite of the beer you try to achieve like commercial success yeah. with uh, you know, coming right out of the gate as yeah. a brewery. Um, the Witchmaker though was was that right after or was that very yeah right? that was the second beer release so um, I mean you th I mean I've always heard rye is a little hard to work with um, I mean it, so you decide hey let's do a rye beer as our a rye IPA as our second beer what was the inspiration there yeah um, that was more just really wanting to um, have a little bit of roots in the American um, tradition yeah uh, hop wise it's one of the small handful of beers that we really kind of focus on American hops, and then rye is just a flavor that we, spicy, we enjoy. Spicy, yeah. yeah. spicy, a little earthy. And um, as a flavor, um, I wouldn't say it's hard to, to, to work with, but, but it certainly has uh, uh, a raw material that goes into I've making beer. Yeah, I've heard, that's what I've heard is that's, that's actually, it's, so in other words, like, okay, first you do a, a commercial suicide, and then you go, let's make a real hard one. I mean, there's a really audacious first couple of beers for you guys. Yeah, rye is, is kind of a, a pain to work with because, uh, I mean, it can get real gummy and, and yeah. the mash and can kind of create some, some long brew days. Uh, so. <laughs> long brew days cleaning things out. And yeah, yeah, and so, um, but yeah, um, uh, Witchmaker, uh, yeah, one of our early beers yeah, we yeah. did. And the last one on the taps is Noble King, uh, which I think came out, was it, was it about six, seven months ago? Like kind of earlier, I remember yeah. having it like right when it came out, it's like a hopped farmhouse, so like a nice hoppy, but then that farmhouse kind of bit of funkiness behind it, bit mm -hmm. of tartness yeah. in it. Exactly, yeah, right right around the first of the year. And um, it's, it's essentially the, uh, the big sibling of Petit Prince, where it's okay. almost the exact same ingredients, but just instead of a very small uh, session strength table beer, a kind of conventional or, or medium strength uh, beer around kind of that five and a half, uh, six percent alcohol range. Um, really, it's, 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 it's it, the Petit Prince and Noble King are beers where we try to embrace simplicity and just kind of let the ingredients, it's almost like the Italian cooking uh, philosophy in beer making, just let good ingredients stand yeah, for yeah. themselves. 
So we just use you know all organic uh, Pilsner malt and a little wheat, a little caramel, and then really uh, kind of aggressively hop it with um, uh, Kent Golding and Czech Saz hops, which kind of have some nice peppery, earthy characteristics, and then uh, just let uh, the farmhouse yeast, which we use for primary fermentation of all our beers, uh, go to work. Um, the yeast we use for, for primary fermentation for everything we do, uh, it's a Saison uh, yeast uh, that was originally cultured from a small farmhouse brewery in northern France called, called Thierrier. Um, we like it for kind of the kind of spicy citrusy flavors and then it makes everything we brew really dry. It, it ver basically ferments out virtually all the sugar and it's just our palates really prefer dry it's a dry beer. dry tight finish but also still body like like it's yeah. a nice body so on the wall behind you is an incredible lineup of beers i'm just going to call it a couple sure. that i'm intimately familiar with and one <laughs> one like one thing i do with, with this all the time is i declare my favorite beer of your guys <laughs> and cool. the, well your favorite my favorite beers is the black metal black stout. Metal, yeah. well the black metal stow and actually the farmhouse variety is very interesting than the different ones so you are you still doing both types one with the farmhouse yeast one with your original yeast or you or is, or is my or my couple remaining originals, collector's editions in my fridge. Or yeah, you should uh, sell those uh, online. <laughs> no, but uh, certainly enjoy them because yeah, we won't be doing yeah. it. We give out the, uh, the recipe. We originally brewed that beer with English ale yeast. Yeah. And uh, we still you know, give out the recipe. Well, it's Imperial Stout yeah. in, in my mind that actually competes with the Abyss. Like we, I do a lot of tastings with friends and we'll put it up against anything and it is out of this world beer. Cool. I mean, I keep trying to figure out how to send you some Black Albert from Canada. Oh yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's another, I, love, yeah, that's, that's, I gotta figure out how to, the, the, te the Texas laws are complicated. Um, which brings us to another topic, right. which is the Texas laws around beer. You guys have had some involvements um, I think the, the Brewers Guild, like the whole, the, the whole society mm. of brewers has, has, has had some in dealings with the government. I mean, there's challenges here. Like, you, for example, you can't sell me one of those bottles. I could lay some money down on this table and go, come on, sell me one of those bottles. Exactly. There's some really but funny you can't, laws. Yeah. I mean, Texas as a state is basically the law is written uh, to explicitly benefit the giant brewers and, and their distributors. And it's really uh, very little is offered in the way of helping small local brewers and so we've tried to which are, which are small businesses you guys employ folks and actually when you take, take a look at you collectively and you start taking taking look at the externalities yeah. of brew pubs and things it's a lot of people that are affected yeah i know it's true I, I get frustrated in that you know the the politicians talk about uh uh you know supporting local business you know deregulating <laughs> the environment the two-tier system or three-tier yeah. system wait or is it, i say two or three it's complicated yeah <laughs> it, it is and, and i mean they um uh they're effectively legislating against their small homegrown business, which, which is, is very frustrating. Um, but we're starting to, I think, have a more of a critical mass as more and more Texas breweries come into existence, um, where I think in the future we might be able to make some changes. Like kind of the, big, the two big changes we're trying to obtain when the Texas legislature goes back into session next year uh, would be to allow uh, brew pubs to sell their beer uh, beyond the four corners of their, their right, restaurant. Right, which, is, which would be huge, because they make, they make some, there's some great brew pubs in town. We're gonna oh, talk yeah. to those guys and they, they make some good stuff. Absolutely, I always like to give the example of uh, you know, the, the Dogfish Head Brewery out of Delaware, you know, which is an immensely successful, very good brewery. Um, they started just brewing in a small system in their restaurant yep. and eventually 
you know, they, they caught on where now I think they're in over 30 states and doing really well. It's like having it up in Canada. Absolutely, yeah. It's international. Uh, yeah. If, if, if that, that success story could not be told in Texas because it's illegal, they never would have been allowed yeah, to sell yeah, yeah, behind yeah. their little restaurant in uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Right, right. Um, you know, likewise, you know, I love uh, Uncle Billy's, uh, uh, well, they have a series of, uh, of, of kind of Pilsner-esque beers, Keller beer and... Uh, like Keller Weiss. Yeah, all. Keller Weiss, yeah. Um, I love those and I wish, I actually, you know, with now a, a little daughter, don't get to go to the bars as much yeah, as yeah, I, yeah. I want to. So most of my drinking is at, at home. Well, I can't buy their beer uh, in a store. So I... I you can drink at work though. That, that, that's true. Yeah, no, that, that I wouldn't helps. recommend it every day, but no. you know, see, see, some guys be watching and saying, "What's he? There's all this beer." But you know, so, but you have a job where you actually have to try some. But what you're saying, <laughs> yeah, makes a lot of sense. Like it's just, yeah. it's just not, it's actually not a fair playing field, right? And and kind of we have the equal us as a, a production brewery have the equal and opposite problem. We can sell beer yeah. out in the stores, but if you come to our brewery and want to take a bottle yeah, home. Yeah. You're not allowed to. Well, and you have this amazing place here, this beautiful, yeah. like beautiful location. I mean, imagine it'd be, you could totally have like a little restaurant on the side oh, and yeah. an amazing garden to hang out. It'd become a real destination. It's like, you know, it's one, just one step away from that possibility. Right. And, and unfortunately, like, I'm not unfortunately, but unfortunately for us yeah. uh, that, you know, in a lot of most other states, if you go to a brewery, like, for example, you can go to like Stone in California and, you know, drink all of their beers at their, their yeah. little bistro there where that's illegal for us to do. So we're actually kind of a leg uh, a leg down or, or at a disadvantage from yeah, from yeah. our out-of-state breweries uh, and it's not that we ever want to see them recede in their rights we, we want to get to to where they are right right uh, like likewise if you go to a, a winery in Texas you can buy wine uh, to take home but but not beer it's a, it's a lack of that, lack of fairness among the yeah types. so we're, we're we're trying to you know um, not not to sound as though uh, you know it's all, all negative i mean there there is uh, there's been some progress you guys made yeah. some progress recently which is exciting that's right that's um we did we did um along with um uh, a retailer called zach's uh, restaurant and bar and a, a distributor called authentic beverage uh, we actually filed a lawsuit against the texas alcoholic beverage commission and uh we we were asking for the right to, to sell beer and for brew pubs the right to sell beer off-site so that part we we, we lost but we did win uh part of the suit and it had to do with a couple things. Uh, one, we were allowed to tell people where our beer is sold. Uh, it used to be such a strange thing to want to do. You can buy our products here. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you happen to be interested, if you happen to be in our website for some strange reason, right? Like, right. Uh, so, yeah. so now we can say, you know, That's you awesome. can That's find great. our beer at Draft House or yeah, yeah, Black Star, yeah. and um, and then uh, we can also now call our our our, our beer beer uh, regardless of alcohol content. It used to be malt item. Like yeah. it was, it was, there were all these really crazy names yeah. that weren't correct, right? Like they yeah. were like they were misclassifying what the beverage was. Exactly. Like um, if we brewed a a pale ale that was under 5%, we couldn't call it a pale ale, we'd have to call it a, a pale beer. And, you know, likewise, you <laughs> that know. That sounds kind of anemic, here's a pale beer. I know, right, it's just it's nonsensical things Here's where, a flask of Hefeweizen. Right, I mean, just because we uh, would brew something that's, yeah, that, uh, that, that's say, uh, you know, 8% or 10% alcohol, yeah. it's still beer, it's yeah. not malt liquor just yeah, because yeah. it's 9%, it's still beer. So uh, now we can actually call it beer. That's great, yeah. that's great. So last couple of questions. One thing, um, what do you guys listen to when you're brewing? What kind of music? Um, we're pretty eclectic. Um, 
I mean, definitely there's um, uh, a, a metal influence that actually has gone into the name. You find you brew, you brew faster when the metal dun 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 and you're like stirring really fast. I, and I, it helps me. Uh, <laughs> but but, uh, but our, uh, you know a lot of the other guys, Michael and my brother, is into just like weird like stuff that's like sonically totally dissonant and I can't listen to. Um, <laughs> so the brewing just kind of you're like the yeah. stirring stops. Right. Um, and then uh, Jordan, he's into uh, funk, which uh, I think is cool and that's works. Great, yeah. yeah, I like funk. And then I tend to I tend to like uh, metal a little bit more. And um, you know, we make two beers. All of the people at Jester King have had kind of a hand in naming uh, beers, at least you get some. I mean, really creative labels. We're gonna, I mean, some of the labels. I love the artwork you guys have on them, and they're you know unique. They're they're eye catching. There's a lot of like, I mean, the thrash metal and yeah, you know, the the you know black metal. The, the Boxer, I think Boxer's Revenge is that the one with the horse? Like, the, yeah, that's that pretty cool. That was an Orwell reference, actually. Yeah. Uh, I oh, mean, okay. Um, I mean, we're kind of odd in that for a brewery our size, we actually do have a full-time artist. Um, oh, you're kidding. Yeah, his, with... his name is uh, Josh Cockrell. He, uh, you paint with beer? Or? Uh, <laughs> that's part of it, yeah. But uh, we, uh, he does like art maybe like four days a week and then does like deliveries yeah, the other cool. fifth day. And so he's, yeah, he's a great guy. It's kind of a dream job in a way. It's like, yeah, he just, do art for beer, deliver beer. Drink beer. Yeah, no, I met him through the homebrewing community, and yeah, he just does some. I mean, we basically give him free reign just to do, just some. We just, just, we're just like, just make it weird and yeah. <laughs> just have fun with it. So moving on from the art, I mean, the fact that you really care about that brand and the art, you probably care about the future. I mean, the Jester King Craft Brewery future. And maybe there's some legislative things depending on what happens because you could do all kinds of awesome things with this space. But like, just generally, future. If you're on the same track you are now, what do you imagine might happen? How might that? Right, really a, a big focus of, of where we're looking to, to go in terms of what we do is making um, more oak-aged wild beer, um, which, you know, as I mentioned, we're, we're very passionate about that, that, that style of beer. So you know, right now, uh, we only have a fairly limited space for, for oak uh, to do wild fermentation. Um, so we're looking to, uh, before the year's out, uh, our goal is to have built a, a barrel house, which could hold actually uh, a couple thousand uh, barrels uh, to do um, maybe instead of just the two or three different wild beers we're currently making you know 10 to 12 different wild beers and um, so yeah that, that, that's kind of really where we want to to go it's very inefficient in terms of, of space and, and you know every beer the shortest amount of time we've ever been able to achieve the flavors that we're looking for tends to be uh, from grain to glass, a minimum of, of six months. So it's a real like time-consuming. Yeah. It's not like because regular beer you can go eight weeks, twelve weeks, or what, I mean your beers maybe longer. But what's the, what's the right. time? What's your typical time for like a yeah. non non-aged? Um, I mean, uh, um, with our beer, our beer is not. I mean, even our our Petit Prince, the beer we make the fastest. Uh, still takes about seven weeks to make yeah. since it's all uh, bottle conditioned or naturally yeah. conditioned. Uh, but if you're gonna, you know, make a, a, for example, taking a pale ale, and then, not that this is bad, I don't mean to demean this process, but you know, a pale ale can really go from grain to glass in like two weeks okay. if you ferment it out, you know, filter it, force carbonate it, you know, flash pasteurize it. You can make it. I must very be quickly. thinking of the fancy beers that take a lot more time, the, artis <laughs> the artisanal ones. Right. Yeah. So fancy beer. Yeah, fancy, fancy beers. <laughs> Last question, um, Austin beer scene. I mean, it's I've been here about four years. Last couple of years, particularly looking at the beer, and it's just been gone wild. Mm -hmm. Like, what what do you imagine? What's going to happen next year or two? Maybe more breweries, more options. Like, what what's going to unfold here? Yeah, I think uh, there'll be continue to be more and more breweries. I mean, even 
as we speak, there's uh, at least another half dozen. There's probably there's probably two or three times that that I'm not even aware of. But they're wanting wanting to go get yeah, into it. But exactly. Um, and and I think that I think that's good. I mean, ultimately, it's it's good for beer drinkers, uh, more options, and I think you know more breweries leads to to higher quality as yeah. we you know all kind of uh, try to. Kind of a competition. I mean, it's, it's actually, I find it's a very healthy competition, I, like I almost too. like a co-opetition between yeah. the guys, like like everyone's kind of battling it out in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, we're right now, you know, nationally, uh, craft beer is about you know, five or six percent of beer consumed. In Texas, we're still under one percent. I've heard that. And I, I, yeah. I, it boggles my mind because yeah. I think most of that's drunk here in Austin because it's, yeah. it's everywhere. Here. Austin, we're probably like, you know, I don't know. Closer to the national average, I yeah, bet. But, yeah. uh, but statewide, yeah, it's still still very low. Other uh, Last final question, um, other beers around town. You mentioned Uncle Billy's, Pilsner, Pilsner mm -hmm. Styles. What are other local beers you really like, you've enjoyed, and yeah, like drinking? Yeah, um, my, my favorite style of beer outside of you know farmhouse ale and sour beer is, uh, is Pilsner. So yeah, I mentioned Uncle Billy's. I drink a lot of Live Oak uh, yeah. Pils. Um, they do very German style beers, but then some of the fabulous examples. Absolutely, yeah. I drink a lot of their Hefeweizen, which you know, again, I like tend to like lower alcohol yeah. beers, and it's a, you it's save the high alcohol beer here for work, and then when you're outside, you drink the <laughs> alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I drink a lot of Five One Two's Pecan Porter. It's oh, that's one of my that's local a favorite. Yes, awesome. Yeah. So. Cool, well, that's it. I mean, cheers, yeah. Proust, Nazdorovia, all those right. fancy things. Schlant, yeah. I got another one now. Yeah. Schlant? Oh, I forgot to the, the Irish one, uh, ah. Schlant. Yeah. Ah. I usually just go with cheers. But, cheers. But they're all good. Yeah, yeah well, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's been great yeah. talking to you. Like I said, I've been here before. Great to have us back, and it's been wonderful. Thanks. Oh, cool. All Thanks, the best Greg. in the future. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode. So check out our website, beardiaries.tv, and our YouTube channel, at The Beard Diaries.